Welcome to the FM Global Resilience is a Choice podcast. My name is Steve McGrath. The COVID-19 pandemic has triggered a worldwide recession. As case rates in the U.S. continue to soar, Asia, and particularly China, are already leading an economic rebound. Although GDP fell 4.4% globally in 2020, it grew in China by an estimated 1.9%. Global GDP in 2021 is expected to grow by approximately 8% in China and in emerging and developing Asia as well, but only 5.2% globally and a meager 3.1% in the U.S. So what has Asia done right, and what can the rest of the world, especially business leaders, learn from the region? Here to explore the question is Tan Hyan Hong. He's Vice President and Client Service Manager for FM Global's Asia Operations. Good morning, Hyan Hong. How are you? Very well, thanks. So um, we wanted to talk about Asia, Singapore, China. What, what regions are doing particularly well in what industries and what sectors? Well... Asia is a very diverse place. You cannot talk about Asia without talking about China. Even prior to COVID, China used to manufacture most of the surgical masks. And they, they used to produce like 85% worldwide. And uh, that's right now, you know, when we are all using the surgical masks, that's all coming from China as well. So really, um, because they have managed to recover, we have managed to get a lot of surgical masks. Now, a lot of the, uh, the manufacturing has now moved closer to different countries. Everybody wants the masks produced locally. But you can't deny the fact that China is a manufacturing powerhouse. And, uh, you know, apart from masks, they, they produce many, many other things. Other markets in, in, in Asia, really, apart from China, you, you have Singapore, you have tai, Taiwan, you have New Zealand. Uh, these are smaller island territories. And because they're islands, they are a lot easier to control in terms of, you know, movements in and out of the, the, the area. And, uh, you know, through tight management of the borders, as well as, you know, a relatively manageable population, I think the local governments have been very successful in getting these things under control. And that has allowed the local economies to, to solve and get back on even footing. Yeah. And a lot of uh, electronics, of course, are manufactured in Asia. And with people in the U.S. and elsewhere kind of hunkering down in their homes, and I guess still in Asia, the manufacturing sector has been given a boost by that as well. Absolutely. So manufacturing has pretty much resumed, as I was talking about electronics in particular. And really, that's a testament to you know, the resilience of the electronic supply chain in Asia. You know, everybody's working from home, everybody's working remotely, and everybody needs an electronic device. And part of the supply chain, it's all coming from Asia. Uh, all the manufacturing chips and uh, memory and flash drives, TVs, monitors. So that, you know, without, without Asia recovering, I think the ability for, for the rest of the world to work from home virtually will, will be more challenging. What were the challenges that businesses in Asia had to face at the early part of the pandemic and have been able to overcome due to good preparation? I would say in the, in this, to, to answer this question, good preparation happens even not, not even thinking about the pandemic because you know, resilience of the company, is, it's really uh, about anticipating what could happen to the, to the business in general, the exposures that could apply, and taking ex- steps to try and mitigate these, ex- these exposures. So certainly the pandemic was a black swan event in that sense that no, nobody uh, anticipated that, and it brought uh, a lot of the supply chain down. So companies couldn't produce, couldn't, couldn't manufacture, couldn't sell. Now, if you, if you think about resilience of the company and you take everything before that, before COVID, the geopolitical currents around the world had, was already changing. And you know, companies were a lot of them were manufacturing in China as a base, and people were already taking steps to to diversify their footprint, trying to be closer to their customers, 
if they if they wanted a backup to the manufacturing base in China, they may be moving to other countries such as in Vietnam or or even Eastern Europe or Mexico. And that's purely because of you know, just resilience, supply chain resilience. And then COVID came. So the successful companies were not the ones that were just say, oh, okay, I've been hit by COVID and where do I go from here? They, they, they were already planning and they understood, they understood their business, where the income was earned, where were the customers. And they were trying to you know, make sure that they had a resilient footprint that could cater to the needs of the customers. Prepping for, for these things, it happens way before and not necessarily just for COVID. Um, this geographical dispersion that you mentioned, did certain clients of yours, certain customers, move their production around in order to cope with outbreaks around the region? Well, prepping for that happened before. Negotiations were already underway with local governments, you know, uh, plans with, with uh, building or, or lease sites. So they already had that happening, perhaps not, in, in this, in not fully developed. But that enabled them to be quickly, you know, pull the trigger and and take put into action all the plans that they were, you know, they were on the drawing board. So um, the, these things are are really part and parcel of thinking ahead of you know what could impact the business, or just could impact the ecosystem around them as well. That's intriguing. So if I'm a CFO listening to this podcast, how would I go about initiating a business impact analysis? The, the first place to start. It's to understand where the income is earned. And, and I think most, most businesses and most CFOs will understand that. The questions we would try and prompt, which, which are the cash cows? Which are the ones that you, know, you need to protect to make sure that you have the capital cash flowing in to protect the business? But at the same time, which are the ones that will help to protect the brand and the image and the, the, the reputation for innovation? So these are the ones that you want to make sure that you can you know, be in the marketplace so that people know you for what you are for. But at the same time, know that know which are the ones that you can you know that you can sell into the market and you can earn that income that keeps the business going. Even though CFOs and, and business owners understand this concept, maybe there's a certain widget that somewhere that if you didn't have that, you couldn't you couldn't really do any of this stuff and even identify how these uh, how the different manufacturing footprints across the different levels of the of the factory and how they would map out to the income streams of that of the business. So not just locations, but sections of the factory. Yes, even in a location, because sometimes some companies have big campus uh, manufacturing sites. So the, the income that's earned from different bits of the manufacturing process in that campus is different. And some parts are more important than others. And so if you can prepare in advance and say, you know what, this is critical. I might not, I will want to protect this place, but maybe I want to make sure that I have an alternative uh, factory, a supplier that is located close to my customer and also by a separate location. They wouldn't get hit by the same typhoon, for example. So getting back to um, Ager, and I've been told it's a multi-speed recovery. Certain, you know, maybe India might be a little bit behind the curve, struggling a little bit. China kind of leading the charge and other countries going at different paces. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. And, and that's because Asia is not one place. Asia, is, it's a combination of many, many places. So it's, it's different culturally number one, and this brings a lot a different impact to the business. I think we need to understand the, uh, the dynamism of Asia and it's young, it's out there trying to grow its, grow its business and trying to put a, put a stamp on the global economy. Now, when you are young and trying to put a stamp on the global economy, you might not think about trying to protect what you have as much as trying to conquer new ground and grow the, and grow the business, right? So it's a very different mindset from an advanced economy where, you know, you're basically, you're rich. You have uh, 50 billion in, in, in sales. You're established around 150 countries around the world. 
And you start to think about, you know what, I need to protect my empire and I need to protect the business. So obviously that lends itself a lot more attention to business resilience and property protection. For young companies in Asia trying to grow, it, 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 might, detra- it might feel as if it detracts from the motivations of, of you know, I want, to, I want to go out there, I want to compete against the biggest players and make my, put my stamp in, in the global economy. And uh, so that's a key difference in terms of mindset. In terms of how the economies are governed, you have a very wide range of governments in the different countries, right? You have China, you have India, Indonesia. So it's different. And, and within that Asia, which is, you know, you might think of as one place, itself, it's split up into different regions, right? You have North Asia. And within that North Asia, you have the Korea and Japan dynamic that's, you know, they're just neighbors and it's, it's, it's not exactly smooth. And then you have things within Southeast Asia, which is Singapore, Indonesia, and then you compare that against uh, an advanced, a more advanced northern half, which is Japan and Korea. So that that all caters to this dynamism and the difference in the pace of recoveries. How can CFOs around the world apply Asia's wisdom to their own businesses? What lessons can Asia teach other CFOs around the world? And it's, it's hard to draw such, uh, such general conclusions, you know, given the diversity that I mentioned. But I think if I were in the shoes of a, of a European or US CFO, uh, and we had extensive operations in Asia, I think it's important to get an independent view of what's happening on the ground. Uh, the different political situation and the environment, it's, it's so unique that knowing what's happening and, and getting uh, a third-party reports of, of what the local businesses see is valuable in the decision-making process. Understanding Asia is very big and not monolithic. What opportunities do you see for um, CFOs who are looking for new business opportunities in Asia? It's a young population, right? And with young population, there will be economic growth uh, in in these economies. So it's a market out there that's waiting for large businesses to to conquer. And of course, there is a, a strong desire for local Asian governments to protect that, uh, to protect the local champions as well. So I think it, it's not uh, as, as a simple case to penetrate these markets, but it's about working with the local uh, industries and trying to uh, find some way to give back and to help to develop the local industries. And in so doing, you will gain the opportunity to, to grow in these countries. What do you see uh, happening in the next six months or so? The businesses that basically survived 2020 doing a lot of business virtually, they will continue more of that. So really, I think going forward, uh, we're looking towards more of an, a, a hybrid model where we will, you know, where it where it makes sense, it will be physical. But where it makes sense, it will, it can be virtual as well, and maybe a bit of both. And I think we are all better for it. If people remember one thing from this conversation, what thought would you leave them with? I think the, the challenge is to look past the current turbulence caused by COVID, and really to focus on making the business and supply chain more resilient. So the, the insurance markets have increased in, in, in rates and, you know, and uh, people are more interested to find out how they can manage this cost. But really look beyond that and see how the business will, will, will develop and grow in the future in a resilient way. I'd say that that's, that's the most important thing. All right. Well, thank you very much for your thoughts today, Hyun Hong. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Steve. Our guest today has been Tan Hyun Hong. He's Vice President and Client Service Manager for FM Global's Asia Operations. Find more Resilience is a Choice podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other streaming services. 
where you can subscribe, like, share, and leave us a comment.